Bigfoot Hunt Goes to the Dogs As told to Peter Bernard Read by P.Q. River. My wife has been trying to get me to go camping for years She used to go all the time before we were married, and she reminds me of this frequently. Or to be more precise, she used to go camping while hunting for Bigfoot all the time before we were married. I, on the other hand, prefer to stay in the city. Why? Simple. There are no Bigfoot here. I would tell my wife I didn't want to go camping because I never want to meet Bigfoot. She insists he's a gentle giant. But I'm pretty sure that if he exists, he's an omnivore, same as us humans. Omnivores generally tend to eat meat. Guess what humans are made of? Meat. We're filled with it. My wife said she'd spent 10 or 12 years hunting for Bigfoot and still hadn't seen him. I said it didn't matter. I knew if I went out there, he'd come for me just because I'm afraid of him. She insisted I wouldn't see a monster in the woods. I insisted I would see Bigfoot. Turns out we were both wrong, 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 wrong. So, as you must have figured out by now, my wife eventually talked me into going camping with her. I wanted some place close to civilization in case we needed to make a hasty retreat. She insisted she had the perfect spot, and like an idiot, I trusted her. Once we were packed into the car, which was already after 12 noon, she started driving. It seemed kind of late to get started, and I figured she had a place very close by. About two and a half hours later, when we were still driving, I got the hint that I'd been shanghaied. Laughing, she admitted she was taking me to one of her favorite squatching locations, but I shouldn't worry because we were going there out of season. Bigfoot has a season? I asked incredulously. He does in this location at least, she answered. He's mostly seen near the berry bushes in late summer, then he or they are gone until at least the next spring. She began elaborating on her theories about where they go this time of year when a deer ran out on the road and froze right in front of us. My wife swerved and missed the huge animal, and then the car slid off the road onto the grass and only had about 20 or 30 feet to go before we smashed into the trees.
Like Mario Andretti, my wife steered us back onto the highway, and we kept going as though nothing had happened. I asked her if she was all right, but while I listened for her answer, I spun around in my seat and stared out the back window, searching for the deer. It was still standing there, but now staring at us. It had immense antlers, and as I admired them, it looked like something large and black exploded out of the bushes on the left and flung itself toward the deer, who was now already gone into the forest on the right. Before I could even begin to try to understand the shape of the black figure, it, too, was gone into the bushes after its prey. Whatever it was, it was even larger than the deer, and by its behavior, it must be a predator. A bear, I whispered. My wife asked me what I was talking about. I told her a bear was chasing the deer, if not a bear, then a Bigfoot. But something large and very dark was the reason that deer had run out on the road. The car screeched to a halt in the middle of the road. You're saying you might have seen a squatch back there? She asked me while already switching the car into reverse. I put my hand on hers to try to stop her from reversing the car. Don't go back there, I said. Dude, if you saw a squatch, then I want to go back there and... You didn't see that thing, I interrupted. If we had hit that deer, we'd be its dinner right now. Please, let's keep driving forward away from here. She started in with her, Bigfoot is a lovable teddy bear speech again, and I think I began hyperventilating because she took pity on me and resumed driving away from the monster or the bear whatever that was. It's really not season for squatch or bear, she said, and I realized we'd been driving almost a half hour without talking. It was now much darker out, and the sun would really be down within an hour. I tried to talk her into driving back, even though she said we were nearly there. Anyone going camping knows to get set up early in the day, I told her. I've never even been camping, and even I know that. Not when you're going squatching, she offered back unenthusiastically. I told her that I got the joke. She convinced me we were going camping just to trick me into going squatching. Good joke. But now that I got it, why should we go through the charade of actually going squatching? For whatever reason, there was some kind of very large, out-of-season predator around. Whether I'd seen a bear or a Bigfoot, I had seen a large predator. I urged her to start the drive back. Here we are, she said, trying to sound cheery as she pulled the car off the road and parked on the edge of a large clearing. Camp, sweet camp. My wife set up our tent lightning fast in the waning light. She made me carry a few things and hold stuff, but for the most part she handled it all. By the time it was fully dark, she even had a fire going and some coffee brewing. I remembered funny stories from my childhood I had never told her before, and she seemed to enjoy them enough. When I had finished, she started telling me scary campfire tales, and I admit I stopped her after the first one. What are you scared of? she asked me, laughing. I was telling you a werewolf story. Werewolves aren't real. 
she ridiculed me cruelly for a while, asking if I was more afraid of being attacked by a werewolf or of turning into one. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night, she intoned solemnly, may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Stop it, I pleaded. Look, honey, she said, staring at the trees and pointing. What do you see? I asked nervously. Something in the trees? She chuckled. You might say that. Look, honey, the autumn moon is full and bright. I hadn't registered that it was a full moon until that moment. Then, as ridiculous as it sounds, we both heard a wolf howl. Or a dog. But it was a howl. It sounded like a big one, whatever it was. Now we could hear dogs in all directions answering the howl. The woods were filled, it seemed, with dogs or their close relatives. That's... that's a lot of dogs, I pointed out. Yeah, she answered, trying not to sound nervous. But they're all pretty far off, and it's not like they hunt humans anyway, she said, answering my next question. I was about to suggest we start driving back. We were camped right off the road. It would take 10 or 15 minutes to pack and put the fire out, and we could be out of there. I say I was about to suggest this, because before I could, another large, dog-sounding creature howled. This time, it was much closer. It was so loud, it literally hurt my ears and felt like a punch in the chest. I looked around for my wife, then noticed it had suddenly gotten much darker. She was putting dirt on the campfire. We were going to leave. I started trying to figure out how to dismantle the tent when my wife grabbed my arm and tugged me toward the car. Lead it, she ordered. We both scrambled for the safety of the vehicle and climbed in. I locked my door, and she locked all the doors from the driver's seat. Without buckling up, she had the car in reverse, and we were pulling backward in a curve, making a U-turn. That's when I saw it. It barreled out of the underbrush with the angriest look I had ever seen on something not human. It was taller than it could possibly be. Bigfoot! I squeaked out, and my wife gasped and stopped what she was doing to turn and see. This panicked me. No, I yelped out. No, don't slow down. Get us out of here. I watched her face as her expression changed from one of wonder to one of shock to one of horror. That, she informed me, is not Bigfoot. She floored it, and we began our rapid retreat back to civilization. After about ten seconds, she took a deep breath, and I could see her visibly relax. She slowed the car to about forty, and I relaxed too. If my wife felt we were safe, then we probably were. I looked in the rearview mirror and strained my eyes to see if I could see what she had seen. If it wasn't Bigfoot, what was it? Then I saw it. A 
there it was emerging from the darkness running it was a large man or it was shaped like a man but it had long ears on top like a rabbit or a doberman i noticed that with every second i could see it more and more clearly i wondered why then realized it was gaining on us Faster, I stuttered out. Drive faster. She didn't have to ask why. She just accelerated. The creature did not slow down. It kept pace with us for a while, then seemed to be starting to fall back a bit. So it did have its limits. What's it doing? What's it doing? What's it doing? My wife asked me in a panicked tone. It's, it's running off into the woods, I answered, pointing to her left. I think it's over. No, it's not, she answered and accelerated the car to its absolute maximum. The road now began to turn to the left, and at this speed we were having some trouble not flying off to the right side into the wall of trees. We screeched around that turn at a speed I literally had never traveled at before. What are you doing? I shouted over the sounds of screeching tires and the car rattling like it was about to come apart. Then I saw why my wife was doing this. She hadn't lost her mind, and the creature hadn't given up. It had just taken a shortcut. To our left, in front of us, we both saw the dogman run out of the woods and head toward the moonlit road. could now see it clearly. It was so unfathomably big that it seemed more like a walking nightmare than any sort of natural animal. It had yellow eyes like an owl, sort of. It clearly was attempting to run directly at our car and catch us on our left side. We were driving at over 100 miles an hour, yet my wife managed one more swerve as the animal dove at us. It missed its target and slammed hard into our back left bumper causing the back of the car to swerve to our right and the front half to swerve left. My wife and I were both screaming incoherently as she swerved back and forth, trying to stay on pavement and off of grass. If there had been any oncoming traffic at that moment, we'd have both been goners. That was when I noticed the animal, the dog man. It was hanging on to our rear bumper and being dragged behind us at 100 miles an hour. Then I saw it lift its head and I saw it begin to try to climb up on our trunk. Before I could say anything, my wife saw it too. And she did what I never expected her to do. She slammed on the brakes. Creature banged hard into our trunk, then let go. I don't know if you've ever been in a car going 100 miles per hour that is attempting to stop. It takes a long time. A long, long time. In fact, we were still really only in the beginning of trying to stop when I shouted, It let go of the car, and my wife took her foot off the brake and applied it most forcefully back on the gas pedal. I eyed the monster in the road as we drove away. It was most definitely still alive, but it was in no shape to chase us, at least not for now. 
This was the end of our ordeal. Now, I am back in the city, and I have remained in the city since that all happened. I work here in the city, I vacation here, and I don't want or need to go anywhere else. Is your small town famous for making something? I bet there's a shop within walking distance of my apartment that sells it. When you live in the city, you don't need to go to the country. The country comes to you at inflated prices. My wife called a special meeting of her former Bigfoot hunting group in our apartment, and we both told them the story I just told you. They seemed split on whether they believed us or not, which kind of surprised me. These people believe in Bigfoot, but were throwing shade on us because we saw a dogman? What was that all about? One of them tried to convince us that we actually saw a Sasquatch. Another argued that we must have misunderstood its behavior since a Sasquatch would never attack people. They were all so locked into their preconceived notions that they weren't even listening to what we were telling them. That was when my wife stood up and called everyone to order. Look, she began, this is not open for debate. She eyed them all, one by one, and nobody challenged her, so she continued. What we have discovered is indisputable. Sometimes when an area is out of season for Bigfoot, the territory gets taken over by an immense carnivorous predator. It gets taken over by dogmen. Check out the audio podcast version of Scary Stories NYC, now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and other popular podcatchers. Bigfoot Attacked My Tiny House. Scary Stories by Peter Bernard, Volume 1, now available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Narrated by PQ Ribber and me, Madeline Starr. Forward by TV's famous Timothy Green Beckley better known as Mr. UFO. And if there's anyone out there who can't get enough of PQ River, search in your favorite search engine for PQ River, and you'll find plenty of podcasts, music, and weirdness. Come back, come back, come back, come back for more scary stories.